Well, our scripture reading for this morning is in uh, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, and uh, it's verses 38 through 42. Also, if you're using one of the pew Bibles in the rack in front of you there, you can pull one out. It's on page 869 in the pew Bible. Also, if you don't own a Bible of your own, if you are newer to thinking about faith or you just don't have a Bible, um, please take one of the pew Bibles home with you. We'd love for each and every person to have their own copy of the scriptures to read, to study. So if you don't have a Bible, take one of those home with you as a gift from us. And again, we'll be reading here Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, page 869. Hear God's words. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pause now and pray and ask for God's help as we study this text and this topic this morning. Father in heaven, we're thankful that you have given us the gift of your words, that you have preserved them for us, and we ask now that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, um, uniquely make them alive in each one of our lives and teach us exactly what we need to uh, be taught and challenged and give us the power by your Spirit to begin to change and to grow more and more into the person that you have made and called us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're in the midst of kind of a a different series. Um, We're calling it Vices and Virtue, and we're looking more closely at the seven deadly sins, or as they've been called, the seven capital vices, that is, these vices from which all kinds of other sins flow, as well as the corresponding virtues that we want to seek to replace those vices with. And last week we looked at the vice of vainglory and the um, idea of humility along with that. And this morning we're looking at the deadly sin of sloth. The deadly sin of sloth. And you may be thinking, deadly? Really? Is, I mean, how, how bad can sloth be? But remember, these vices, as we're talking about them, vices aren't the very worst sins that we can do. Um, murder isn't one of the seven deadly sins or the seven capital vices. But they are habits which can lead to much more deadly sins. They're habits, they're patterns that are formed in us. You and I were always being formed either into a pattern, a habit of vice, or into a pattern or habit of, of virtue. There is no sort of neutral in life. We're always being formed in one way or another, by diligence or by sloth. And in the end, sloth can kill you. But on the surface, it just seems so innocent, right? It's even kind of fun to say, sloth. It kind of even sounds lazy. You kind of sound lazy when you say the word sloth. It's kind of, it's a lazy word even to say. And in fact, sloth is the only one of the seven vices that has uh, an animal named after it. I mean, here's here's our picture of a sloth here. And you see that, and it even sort of seems harmless, right? It's sort of like, oh, what a cute little sin there in the tree. Um... (laughs) And I'm guessing that some of us picture this particular sloth uh, working at the DMV when we think about sloth. Watch. (laughs) 
And, and that's what we think about when we think of sloth, right? Or maybe not that particular movie or maybe not the animal, but we think of that kind of behavior, right? This slow, lethargic behavior. And I suspect that most of you are thinking right now, and because I, I suspect you're thinking this because this is what I thought when I started studying this vice, is that, look, I'm way too busy to worry about the vice of sloth. I mean, work, family, class, sports, music lessons, volunteering, drama club, visiting the grandkids, taking care of the grandkids, finals, making dinner, doing laundry, cutting the grass, cleaning the gutters. Oh, Bill, if you only, if only I had the luxury of having sloth as a vice in my life. Um, but Bill, I couldn't be slothful if I, I wanted to. There's just too much going on. I'm far too busy. And I know that's what I thought too. But then I started reflecting more deeply on this vice and on Luke chapter 10. And, and what I discovered is that sloth isn't just laziness. Sloth is laziness about what matters most. Sloth isn't just laziness. It's laziness about what matters most. And with that in mind, with that kind of category, that framework in mind, I want you to listen again to Jesus' encounter with these two sisters in Luke chapter 10. That it's not just laziness, it's laziness with what matters most. So with that in mind, listen again to this encounter that Jesus has with these two sisters. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed her, welcomed her into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. See, sloth hides best in busyness. Sloth hides best in busyness. And the last thing that Martha was was a couch potato, right? That's the last thing that she is. She's full of activity. Jesus describes her as distracted with much serving, anxious and troubled about many things. I think of my own life and oh, how often that describes me, especially on a Monday morning, sitting down at the desk, opening up the email, distracted, anxious, troubled about many things. But Jesus rebukes Martha for it because sloth isn't just found in inactivity. It's just as easily found in the wrong activity. I mean, think about climbing a ladder, rung after rung, hard work, activity. But if the ladder's up against the wrong, wrong wall, it, it doesn't matter how hard you're working. If you get to the top and you're like, wait a second, these are my neighbor's gutters, right? Like you haven't gotten any closer. You've done a lot of work, but you haven't gotten any closer to the task that you wanted to do. See, sloth isn't just laziness. It's laziness about what matters most. And often the things that we're busy with in our lives, they aren't bad things. They're just lesser things. They're just lesser things. Clearing out your inbox instead of working on that big project that's due in the morning. Taking your kids to endless activities instead of doing the hard work of carving out time on the calendar and making dinner together. Jumping into the first thing on your to-do list in the morning instead of starting with prayer or, or skipping church because this Sunday is just too busy. 
it's doing what's easy instead of what's necessary, what's best. That's sloth. And yes, sloth can definitely show itself in in laziness and lethargy. That's true. But it hides best when it's cloaked in busyness. And Martha is so busy, so distracted that she misses Jesus' opportunity to hear from him in her home. She misses the most important thing. Her sister Mary, and again, this is a different Mary than the Mary, mother of Jesus, is different. But her sister Mary, however, has chosen the good portion. Jesus says she is concerned with the most important thing. She's looked at this moment and she knew what was best, and that was to sit and to learn from Jesus. And Jesus says it won't be taken away from her. Uh, he uses this language of this, this good portion that she's chosen. And that, if you kind of trace that theme of what is a portion in Scripture, what is that metaphor? It, it stands for this close relationship, this joy and satisfaction and rest that comes from knowing and loving God. But as with any relationship, it, it takes work and effort and, act in, and, and being proactive in the midst of it sacrifice even. And sloth looks at what it takes to have that kind of a relationship, and it says, ah, I'd rather just check some emails or scroll my Twitter feed. I'd rather do that than the, the hard work of, of prayer. And prayer is hard work. I haven't met anyone who says, oh, prayer just comes so naturally to me. Getting up and, and reading my Bible is, is just the easiest thing in the world. And sloth says, I'd rather do what's easy than what's best. Now, this may sound counterintuitive at first, but the first step for many of us, now, I'm going to say for many of us, not all of us, some of us are, are need to actually speed up and get to work in other areas of our life. We'll get to that in a minute. But for most of us, the first step in escaping the vice of sloth is actually to slow down. To slow down. If you're living at breakneck speed, first ask yourself, why? What do you get out of it? What, what are your motivations? Are they the right motivations for having so much activity in your schedule? And then second, maybe ask yourself, what's the one thing I can stop doing? What's one thing I can stop doing? One lesser thing you can say no to. Because I'm sure that the vast majority of things in your life that you're spending time on aren't inherently bad things. But we know that the, the, the good is often the enemy of the great. The one, what's one lesser thing? Not a bad thing, just one lesser thing that you can say no to. And this is especially vital with children and students because vices and virtues alike are formed and learned through imitation and practice. And so students, if you're sitting here this morning, children, you're sitting here with us this morning, and you are too busy, that's, that's not your fault. That's our fault. As parents and as leaders, if we've made your lives too busy, we have to think about what are we teaching our kids through imitation and practice? Are we just teaching them that a good life is just a life that's full of wall-to-wall activity? We need to slow down. Now, slowing down isn't an end in of itself. It's not the goal. It's not slowing down just to do nothing. It's slowing down so that you can do the right things the merry things. Because you see, when the early church fathers talk about sloth, here's what they mean and and why it's so dangerous. Because sloth is is too lazy to change. 
That's ultimately what it comes down to, that sloth is too lazy to change. Sloth is a resistance to God's transforming love. And it often covers that, that resistance by being so busy with other things. But it's ultimately a resistance to God's transforming love because it's true that God does love you just the way you are. He meets you where you're at and he loves you because he's made you and he's created, but he also loves you far too much to let you stay the way you are. And the moment that you come to know him, he begins this work of transforming you into a person that you probably could have never imagined that he has always longed for you to be. But sloth looks at the effort that, that love invites in and empowers, the work and the sacrifice that will be involved in becoming this person that God longs for us to be. And it just kind of says, ah, not right now. I've got some other stuff to do. The dishes are there. My Instagram feed needs reading. I'd just rather do some other stuff. And there are a few places in Scripture that give a more powerful warning about this in the book of Hebrews. Because in the book of Hebrews is a letter in the New Testament written to um, a lot of second-generation Christians right after the time of Jesus. And, you know, there isn't some grand heresy that they're combating. There isn't some thing that's going on. They, in many cases, have just started to drift away from what they believed. They're starting to get lazy, slothful, Resisting the work of God's love, transforming their lives. And listen to how the author challenges and encourages them. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, all those, it's a lot there in those verses. But what he's saying is, in other words, since we've been rescued by the gospel, you've been transformed by love, you've been made new in the gospel. He says, let us draw near. Let us draw near. That's what sloth refuses to do. Sloth does not want to draw near. It just wants to sit there. Draw near with a sincere heart. With the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And then he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he whose promise is faithful. We hold fast to the one who, who and we resist sloth because the one who promised to us. We draw near, we hold fast. These are active things that we're doing. And then he says in verse 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching, the day of Christ's return. And it's this work of drawing near and holding fast and spurring one another on to love and good deeds and growth that sloth just simply isn't willing to do. Just says, that seems like a lot of work. And I got a lot of other stuff I'm busy with. Re Rebecca DeYoung is so insightful and convicting here. She explains that the slothful feel that it is an intolerable burden to stay true to one's commitment to God with all of its daily drudgery and discipline. Likewise, sloth is the vice of those who want the security of having God's love without the real sacrifice and ongoing struggle to be made anew. 
That really hit me hard, that last part this week. They want the security of having God's love without the real sacrifice and ongoing struggle to be made anew. And then she adds later, the slothful are inwardly unwilling to be moved. They are stuck between a self they cannot bear and a self they cannot bear to become. And the 15th century painter Hieronymus Bosch captures this sense of sloth powerfully in his painting known as The Seven Deadly Sins and the Four Last Things. And here's an image. He's got one of, of each of the seven deadly sins. This is the one of sloth. And you see it's this guy. He's just relounging in his chair in front of the fire, resting on a pillow, while this, this nun is pictured bringing him a Bible and prayer beads, inviting him to these disciplines that will transform him. But he's simply too lazy to respond Sloth is simply too lazy to change. It's unwilling to be moved. It doesn't like who it is, but it isn't willing to do anything about it. And we have to fight it. We can't give in to sloth. So we have to push back the indifference, the lethargy, that resistance to change. You see, this is why sloth becomes so dangerous, because it resists the very thing that's necessary to remove it. If you want to get sloth out of your life, it necessarily means I want to be willing to change, to to add new patterns and habits, but sloth doesn't want to do any of that. It doesn't want to do the hard work of making space in our lives to love who and what matters most. You see, to practice the spiritual disciplines is to bring us to a true joy in life. But I think many of us expect the process of growing in Christ-likeness to be to be more like using a GPS than doing the hard work of, of learning to use a map and compass, right? Because we've all used a GPS, right? You just punch in the address of where you want to go, you push go, and you just kind of follow the directions. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to be skilled. You just turn where it says turn, stop where it says stop. And I think that somehow it's kind of what we want our spiritual formation to be like. We have this picture, virtuous person, Christ-like, all that, that's my destination, hit go on the GPS, and then I just sort of sit back and listen to some music, and then eventually I'm, I'm there. But the picture of spiritual growth, often in the Bible it's called sanctification, that we get in the Scriptures, is much more like using a map and compass than a GPS. To navigate with a map and compass, it requires training and practice and understanding how, of terrain and how the map works and its elements and how, how the magnetic declination of the earth affects your, your route, all of these kinds of things. And Jesus invites us, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He doesn't say, just get in the backseat of my Uber and I'll take you where you need to go and you can wake up when we get there. He says, take my yoke on you and learn from me. I'll teach you how to live this life, how to use the map and compass. I'll give you all the supplies you need. I'll be there with you every step of the way. But it's a walk, a journey together. It's going to be hard work. And yes, I'm going to give you all that you need for the journey, but it is a journey. It's a lot more like a backpacking trip than a ride in an Uber. And Sloth says in response, you know, thanks Jesus, that destination sounds great, but man, if I'm going to have to learn how to use this compass and this map and I'm going to have to carry a backpack and all this, I don't know, it just doesn't seem worth it to me. But don't give in to that voice of Sloth. 
So there's something that you're thinking about stopping doing. That's what we talked about a minute ago. What's something, a lesser thing that you can stop doing? But now I want to think about what's one thing you can commit to doing, no matter how much you don't feel like it. For some, it might be saying, we're going to go to church every Sunday for two months, no matter how, how busy or lazy we feel on Sunday morning. Or maybe it might be that you say, I'm going to get up 10 minutes early or this week so I can have time to, to pray or just to open the Bible and reflect. It could be anything. Maybe I need to get my health in line. I'm going to start eating better or I'm going to start exercising, whatever it might be. What's one thing that you can do to begin to build a habit that will erase sloth. You see, we're busy with many things, so many things, but one thing is necessary. God wants to make you whole, transform you into the person he created you to be. Don't you want that? I think we all do. So don't give in to sloth. But there's one more thing. Because yes, sloth hides best in busyness, and yes, it's ultimately a laziness of soul that resists the transforming love of God. But it never stops there, because when you start to become a slothful person, when this virtue really, this vice, I should say, really starts to be the pattern of life that you have, it begins to do this thing to you, and that is that it, it shapes you in a way where you refuse to do what love requires, Sloth refuses to do what love requires. This is why it destroys families and workplaces and communities because it's not just laziness. It's, it's laziness in love. And going back to the story of Mary and Martha from the beginning, Jesus isn't just telling Martha to stop working and go to Bible studies all day long. That's not the point. No, God loves us in order that we would love and serve and sacrifice for others. And when we don't, sloth impacts everyone around you. There's a great picture of this virtue of diligence at the end of Proverbs, a woman doing the hard work of love. And it starts off, an excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. And it goes on then for another 20 verses, just praising, describing her ingenuity and her hard work. She trades goods, buys and sells. She buys investment properties. She plants vineyards. She makes garments. She wakes before the sun and works into the dark. And in doing so, she takes care of her family, her servants, the poor, the needy. She's part of flourishing of her whole community. She loves her neighbors in and through her work. Verse 25 says, strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And she's praised by everyone around her, not just for her hard work, but for her love, which empowers and motivates that work. Now, we must be careful not to confuse workaholism with diligence. But if you are becoming a slothful person, you are robbing the people around you of the good things that God intended to give them through you. If you are becoming a slothful person, you are robbing the people around you of the good things that God intended to give them through you. Have you ever considered that before? 
that God has placed you in your work, in your family, in your neighborhood, in this church. And he's placed you there in order that he can use you as a means to care for and provide for those around you. And just think about it. When you're sick, how often does God heal you? Well, it's, it's most often, I think, for a lot of us, through the competent care of a doctor or a nurse in your community, through their good work in medicine. Or how does God provide food for you to eat? I imagine for most of you, you don't just open the fridge and there's magically food there, right? No, God provides food for you to eat through the good work of farmers and grocers. So when we become slothful, either in our work or in our own formation and virtue and Christ-likeness, we rob others of the good things that God intended for them to have through us, through our work. When you show up late for work, whatever the work is that you do, or your performance is average at best, if you're just coasting the office or, or getting by to the weekend or until retirement, or if you're in retirement and you're just kind of living a self-indulgent lifestyle, or you refuse to serve either here at church or in our community, it, it's not just laziness, it's ultimately it's a failure of love. Because your family needs you, your friends and your neighbors need you, your church, our community, your clients, your classmates. And sloth looks around and sees those needs as opportunities for love, and it just says, ah, seems like way too much work. So the last thing we need to do in order to move from sloth to diligence is to get to work. We were created by God, who is a worker in his image, to be workers, to love one another through the exchange and gift of our labors. So the greatest way for you to love your neighbors is not actually through serving with one of our ministry partners or even serving here at church on Sunday mornings. As vital as those things are, they're really important. But the primary way in which you love and serve your neighbor is by doing good work each and every day at the thing that God has called you to do. Because you spend far more time in those 40, 50, 60 hours a week of whatever it is that you do than you are going to ever do in sort of your off hours of volunteering somewhere. Do your work well. It's how God has designed for you to love your neighbor as a parent, as a student, in every facet of your life. And for some of us, we're just busy with all the wrong things. We do busy work trying to avoid the real work. That's something I often fall into. I do the tasks that just busy work that fill the time, putting off the hard things that I know I really need to do. That's sloth at work. In other words, we aren't just trying to do more. We're trying to do the right things. And others of us too, we are really just lazy. Some of you just need to get to work. You just don't do anything. That's a, that's a reality for some of us. And if that's you, get to work. Love expressed in diligence always begins with the posture of devotion to Jesus and that it invariably flows out into hard work on behalf of our neighbors. So practice diligence. Practice it and practice it and practice it because when you begin to see your work not simply as a collection of tasks or even as a means of earning money, but as an opportunity to love and to sacrifice for the good of your neighbor, it changes everything. All of a sudden, doing the dishes, changing a diaper, taking out the trash, emailing a client, overseeing a project, all those become ways and means of, of loving the people in your life. 
not just tasks to be done or, or things to get out of the way so we can do what we really want. Sloth is not just laziness. It's laziness with what matters most. Don't fall into the trap of resisting God's transforming love in your life. You see, our greatest hope for joy in this life and in the life to come is not through a posture of indifference or inertia of just doing what we've always done before, but in submitting ourselves to the hard work of becoming the sorts of people who are truly free. Because freedom is virtue, and virtue is human flourishing at its best. We're free from the bonds of sloth that that ruin us and rob others of the good things that God has intended to give them through our work. Now, this only gets more difficult the longer we go on in life. It actually doesn't get easier. Author Andy Wilson, he puts it this way. He says, The truth is that a life well lived is always lived on a rising scale of difficulty. You see, the best life, the virtuous life, it only gets harder The stakes only get higher the the more responsibility we're entrusted with, the, the more we have. And he says this, he says, death is now, the choice is here, lay down your life. He says, your heartbeats cannot be hoarded, your reservoir of breaths is draining away. You have hands, blister them while you can. You have bones, make them strain. They can carry nothing in the grave. You have lungs, let them spill with laughter. In my remaining hours, I could be smiling or scowling, rejoicing in my life, in this race, in the story, or moaning and complaining about my troubles. I can give my fingers, my back, my mind, my words, my breaths, my wife and my children and my neighbors, or I can grasp after the vapor and the vanity for myself, dragging my feet, afraid to die, therefore afraid to live. And like Adam, I will still die in the end. So which road are you on? Are you smiling or scowling? Rejoicing or moaning? Spending your life or hoarding it? Resisting or yielding to love's transformation and demands? You see, the glorious good news of the gospel is that Jesus has come to rescue lazy, slothful people like you and me, and he is faithful. His promise is true. He will complete this work. But in the end, sloth refuses to believe those promises. It refuses to believe that it's forgiven, that it can be transformed and changed. As one pastor put it, sloth is the suspicion that when Jesus says, rise, your sins are forgiven. That Jesus is lying. Could it be that what we often refer to as doubt could really be sloth in disguise? Slothful unwillingness to believe and submit to the promises, the work that God is doing in our lives. He longs to change us with his love. He constantly works on our behalf. He died for lazy people. But he rose again to turn sloth into love, to bring dignity and joy to the work and to our lives. He forgives us when we fail. And he gives us a hope that we can change. This is the work he does. And it's the work he invites us into. And isn't that who we want to be as a community? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you would
Help us to unearth the sloth that hides so easily in the busyness and the frenetic pace of our lives. Would you give us the wisdom to know what is truly most important? Would you help us to escape and give us the energy, the desire to do the hard work of becoming the people you've called us to be and loving those around us? In Jesus' name, amen.